My name is Joshua Brown, and anybody from the outside looking in would say that I was successful. And uh, I think that many different people define success different ways depending on what they've done in life or what they've gone through in life. Uh, I'm the project manager at American Cabinet Granite Flooring, do contracting. And uh, I'm also part of a nonprofit organization called Society First. I also do prison ministry. I preach and do music in a couple different prisons right now. And it's just, it's just an amazing thing. And I also do music for a church called Jesus Church. And it's just amazing to be part of such awesome groups. And, and just my life has, has, has taken off and it just blows my mind. I think that if I were to tell my 21-year-old self, my reckless 21-year-old self, what I would be a part of in doing right now, he probably wouldn't believe me. So I, I just thank God for my success. And my success is, is mine. And it means something different to me than it probably would to somebody else. So today I have with me Mr. Joshua Brown. Uh, Mr. Joshua Brown and I ran across each other from a mutual friend. Uh, Mr. Brown is going to be here today to speak about this mutual friend and the foundation that has came from that. Um, it's a marvelous story. It blew me out of the water when I heard this. So um, without further ado, I'm going to let Joshua introduce himself and what we're going to be talking about today. All right, man. So my name is Joshua Brown. I am a podcaster, media director for a, a group called Society First. It's a nonprofit group. And, uh, you know, we're pushing prison reform. Uh, we're pushing incentivized prisons. And, and we're also pushing against the laws that have inflated our prison system here in Florida. And, uh, and with us, we have, have many other organizations in, in other states that we're slowly connecting with that are doing the exact same thing because the, the mass incarceration in Florida and in all these other states is something that we really, we can't, we can't ignore it anymore. You know why? Because there's too many of us out here starting to bring awareness to our communities uh, of what's going on in the prison system right now. Well, that's exactly it. And, and as I've always said, this is why we're ostracized, right? Because we know the truth coming out. So they do everything they can to keep us down and to make us look like we're, we're criminals, to make us look like we're uneducated, like we don't know, to keep us in that ostracized circle because we know the truth coming out. But like you said, they and their, their short mindedness, right, because all evil has short mindedness. It's always in the in the in the now. They never think about what happens in the end. And this is how evil always unfolds they didn't take into account how many people were going to be incarcerated under all of these laws that they were creating you know they so their hands got full the prisons were busting they can't do now the public is starting to and this is what they did not want was the public in their business but what else can you do so now it's it's busting out the seams. They don't know what to do with it now. And it's like everybody's trying to to run for the hills. And it's it's a mess, man. But at the end of the day, who's suffering? Human beings, American citizens that 
are now being released into a community with no proper education on how to 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 reunite with you know society the skill set you know to help them avoid what got them in prison in the first place so all of these all of these laws and rules and 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 we can help these guys get out of prison but what is in place for them when they come home is there any yeah. attention on that you know yeah and that's that's another thing that's the reason why we got our name our name is society first because it's not not so much focused on prison reform in and of itself just for the prisoner and the person who has to go through incarceration it's really about our society because we think about the recidivism rate and, and we just think about the person that has to go back to prison but what about the person who is victimized by the person going back to prison because when and i always like to say this you know there's an opportunity there if someone gets incarcerated there's an opportunity to put them on a better path to give them purpose to give them education to give them something that they know how to do and there are elements of that in doc i've done 10 years incarcerated myself uh, at Okaloosa and Avon Park. And uh, you see that a little bit, but you have to really press for it. Uh, there's, it, it gets real political, certain positions, certain jobs open in DOC. It's not easy. I myself uh, passed the, the, the state wastewater exam and could not get out there simply because the guy who worked out there wanted somebody else out there, didn't like me. And then I passed up an opportunity to get my wastewater license. So it's things like that that we could talk about that you know, the opportunities to excel, the opportunities to do something better are few and far in between. And that's definitely one of the things that society first wants to address. And another thing is just the just the safety of society as a whole. You have a very small, minute part of our society making a lot of profit off of uh, inmates. You know, they're profiting off of pain and hurt and, and men without their families, women without their families. And society as a whole, because they're profiting off of that, what society gets is, you know, uh, what, 60% of men that are, that are released back into society are going to reoffend within the first three years and get locked up again. Guess what? Most, if not all, most of those reoffenders have, have victims. Even if you're talking about selling drugs in your community, there are victims to that. People selling drugs, there are victims in that. We're not just talking about home invasions, robberies, murders, thefts. We're talking about, you know, just people selling drugs in your community to your kids or whoever, you know, all that, all that, you know, plays a part in society as a whole. So we're putting, we're not just, we're, we're talking about society because those incarcerated individuals, a lot of times when we talk about them, we set them apart from society. Like they're a whole nother thing, but the reality of it is, I mean, they're your uncles or your cousins, your brothers, your sisters, your nephews, everybody who gets incarcerated has some family. They know somebody, they have bridges they have not burned yet. And, they're, and it's all connected. So they're part of society too. And we're, our premise is let's make society safer by locking more of society up. I mean, we've got more life without parole inmates in Florida right now than 30 other, three, 33 other states combined. Mm. America's got more than any other country in, in, in the world. It's insane. So <clears throat> in order to, to be free, we think we have to take everybody else's freedom. You know, and that's not, and the reality is, no, man, people that, people that reoffend like me, I grew up without my dad. I take full responsibility for my whole lifestyle. Everything I've ever done, I take responsibility for. But if I'd have grown up with a father, if I'd have had some, some better options, choices growing up for on food stamps, pretty much government kid, you know, I might've done some, something else. And, uh, and that's not an excuse. It's just a fact. It's just a reality. It's a reality for a lot of people that I've met 
and, and done time with as well. You know, there's people in prison that don't even know how to read yet. And, uh, and, and you know, so when you talk, talk about our society as a whole, these, pe you know, people that get incarcerated, they need to be helped because when they get help, they can get out and they can be like shining for society. They can be activists. They could be someone like me or you, brother. So uh, Society First, we've, uh, we've really tried to put a focus on that. We have a segment, we have a conference on the 23rd in Tallahassee called the Road to Restoration Conference. And in that conference, there's a segment called the Diamond Segment. Mr. Jim Lynch will be uh, over that. And in it, we are going to be showcasing uh, a, a lot of uh, formerly incarcerated individuals in society that have gotten out of society, that have made a positive impact, and that have made a difference. And, and usually this is the exception, but we're, we're pushing to make it a rule. People that get out and make a difference, that talk to the youth, that try to help people get on, on, on a better path, even in society. Because we know there's, there's always going to be people, everybody has their own choices to make. You know what I mean? And that's the truth. But if your choices are limited, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother ballgame. So, so in our society, we want to make society safer. We want to put society first as a whole. And that just doesn't mean regular people have never been locked up before. That means everybody, all of society matters. And, and, and that's, you know, that's pretty much what we're, what we're doing over at Society First and what we're pushing. Yeah, it's amazing, man. It's amazing. And, and Bill really wants me to come to that thing on the yeah. 20 and and you know that the, the thing with me is is this is just me you know what i mean this is just me here and i've been eating hot dogs for the past three days you know what i mean so it's it's not a lot of support coming in and i spend most of my time trying to just get everything together and and put it you know uh this this radio station this this launch of this radio station but the criminal justice network is, is, is going to exactly do what it is that you're speaking of on a national level is, is bring that together. So somebody in California and Washington knows about society first and what they're doing. You know what I mean? And that they need help down there and, and such. So I really believe that this network is going to unite all of these organizations. So, so into just one umbrella to where, you know, like you say, the, the society can go to this one channel and get all the information that they need when it comes to criminal justice. So when, uh, uh, let's say, Cynthia's grandson in Florida gets locked up, Cynthia lives in California, she don't know about organizations in Florida. She don't even know anything about Florida, but she can go to this network and she can learn about society first. You know what I mean? And things of that nature. So this is us coming together and and learning about each other and supporting each other bringing each other because that's what it is it's about the community it's about it's just about us we the people for me that's that that that's my proclamation is that this channel my channel is we the people this is we the people's channel this is for the community this is for people to get educated about prisoners what's going on how to handle us when we come home Exactly. The conditions that we've been under, the stress that we've dealt with, you know, the trauma that we've we've dealt with, the trauma that we've inflicted, you know, so it's how to one understand what these people need, how to deal with them, how to incorporate them back into society, you know, society uh, versus just 
thinking that these people are supposed to readjust in two weeks or a month, you know, and, and get their shit straight as, as most of us here when we get home, you know, well, you've been home a month, you've been home two months now, you should be able to, to get back into shape. Like you have no freaking idea what I've just been through for the last 13 years. The hell are you talking about? You know what I mean? So uh, let's get into the foundation a little bit, how it got started, where it got started. So, uh, so the way it got started was uh, originally uh, there was a uh, Alfred Reiner and a, and a Denise Rock. Uh, Denise, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of Florida Cares. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm part of their group on on uh, Facebook. Awesome. So Florida Cares had a lot of a lot of people in it, and then one of them, her name is Denise as well. She co-founded uh, Society First with Al Reiner. And uh, they, they, we've been pretty much doing it ever since. Uh, Christina, Chris. Chris is another formerly incarcerated guy. Awesome brother. Owns his own business in here in Florida as well. Doing pretty well for himself. And, uh, and then myself as well. I was formerly incarcerated. Actually, I was incarcerated with Alfred Reiner as well. And, uh, and so we just, uh, we just all put in all of our time, all of our efforts, all of our money. And uh, and we've just ever since then, we've, we've been putting everything together, just making awareness. And it's been a bumpy road because, you know, we've been we've given money to different people to podcast for us or to help us raise awareness. And every time that happens, uh, every time that happens, they, they just ghost us or, or things didn't work out. And and I told Al, I said, man, listen, because I was the CFO, but we were uh, we were we were doing our nonprofit status, I had done all the paperwork and they gave us, they red flagged us because I've, you know, I've, I've, I've a con- conviction on my record, even though right now I'm successful business and number three man in my company doing great. I got the keys to my own, you know, to my boss's uh, store, everything. Uh, they, they had an issue with me being a convict and being CFO. So I didn't even care for me. It's not about titles. Who, or anything. Who is they, the IRS during the, the exemption <laughs> what, process? Uh, uh, Department of Agriculture. So our nonprofit status for the state of Florida itself, that's where that red flag came from. Uh, Florida Department of Agriculture, you know, to, to, to actually like recognize us on a state level for nonprofit status. We had to uh, there's like a little stack of paperwork that I did and I had sent out to them. And so they they'd uh, given us an issue because I, you know, I, uh, I have a record. So I said, you know what, fine, let's just go ahead and try to switch gears. And now I am the director of media, still on the board of directors. And I've been, you know, doing podcasts for like the last month. And I told Al knows. So I'm, I'm, so I go to Avon Park Correctional myself as a volunteer. Uh, and I have a pin number. Uh, I've, I've been in a couple of times preaching in the same uh, prison that I EOS from, which is a real blessing, really awesome for me to be able to do. Uh, I play music for, for, for a couple of different churches here in Port Orange, uh, in Port Orange and also in Tampa. because My wife's going to school in Port Orange. And so I'm, you know, I'm involved in a lot. And uh, my time, I try to utilize it very wisely. And I always want to give back because I'm going back into the prisons. I'm going to the main units. I can see these brothers that have a life sentence, man, looking back at me. And I'm telling them, look, brothers, change is coming. Do not do not lose hope because there's people there with hopelessness, man. And, and, and they're going to die in there if we don't change something, if we don't do something, if we don't move something. And I see that and it drives me and uh, back at me. It's kind of different. You know what I mean? So uh, so so praise God, I've been able to do it. 
And through it all, you know, we've been getting a, a lot more, uh, a lot more views on our Facebook page. And we've also been able to collect, connect with a lot more people like yourself and like Jim Lynch and some, some other individuals like Texas that we've put her, uh, uh, her interview there as well. So we're just hooking up with a lot of different people and I'm just interviewing people, man, just, just talking about this, uh, just talking about these issues, just, you know, just bringing awareness. What we have to do is, 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 is exactly that. I mean, we really have to come together. You know, there are a lot of people that don't want to see us unite. And as you said, the pushback that you get, because the politicians really feel like they're in control right now. That is what's scary. That I think is what scares most Americans is that these politicians really feel like they're in control, that they can push back any kind of way that they want. And, and when it comes to us, as far as convicted felons or, or you know, returning citizens or such, it's okay as long as we're taking our handouts and our crumbs, you know, we, we can get that. But when we start giving back <clears throat> or, or pushing back in a form of, uh, anti-agenda for them that's when they start they start knocking us off they start you know shutting us down or or giving us pushback and it's it has to stop because we know the truth again like you say all of these microtransactions on the families i mean for for a family to go visit their incarcerated one they're spending almost a hundred or two hundred dollars in that day if not more on gas, depends on where they're coming from. Some of these prisons, these people have to drive five freaking hours, you know, mm -hmm. and then, and then there are single family homes. So they have to work sometimes mostly two jobs. A lot of times there's children in the home, you know, and there's no support. Yes, we made mistakes, but we made mistakes because of, of whatever the error in our, in our thought process was right. True enough. But you're, you're not only punishing me, you're punishing my whole family structure. You know what I mean? The whole family structure is being punished. And when you have over 2.2 million people that are incarcerated, that's just incarcerated. We ain't even talking about people that's in the system. But 2.2 million people behind locked doors, that is 2.2 million family structures that is in chaos. You know what I mean? And so it, the domino effect from there. And so, again, like I, like I was saying, you know, I, I, this is why I say I don't negotiate with terrorists because they know this. They have the stats. They're the ones that are putting it out. They're the ones putting the stats out, but nothing is changing. And they always want to change on the back end. They always want to change these people that are coming home, but they don't want to change the system that are locking them up. You know, this is the awareness that we have to bring to the people. So, I mean, your story is 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 great. And for me to be in Florida again, the network for me to be in Florida, you're in the same place I am. And I've never even heard of this organization. That's the atrocity. Right. That that should not be. That should not be. We should all be connected because we all have a common goal. You know, yeah. so that's what that's what we have to work on and get that done and, and come into unity and and know that, you know, this network here, we're not we're not looking to change any organizations. We want to support society first and we want to bring attention to society first. 
and let society first know that, listen, man, you got a nation behind you. You know, that's what we need. That's the only way things are going to, you know, going to get done. Because other than that, these politicians aren't going to listen to us and they're going to continue to think that they're in control. Well, I think the coolest thing, man, is, is now we have social media. We have these platforms. You know, we don't have to have tens of thousands of dollars to try to get commercials on TV or nothing like that to raise awareness. You know, we can podcast from anywhere, you know, low, you know, and you don't even need a really, really high budget uh, stuff. I mean, when I, what I usually... But all the equipment that I had that I've that I've been using for the podcast, really equipment that I bought for uh, for me and my wife to to do and record music. I, I sing and I play guitar for my church and everything, and I've written music too. So I mean, I'm on like a four hundred dollar right now. I'm just using just my iPhone, and that and that's it. And then I see you got a microphone there too. A microphone don't cost that much. So now you know we have the ability. We don't have to have a lot of money to really raise awareness. We just have to spend the time to, to, you know, put it out there to keep working on it. I mean, I'll tell you, though, the paper trail for 501c3 status is is a lot. Paper trail for, for everything. Going through it. Closely regulate everything we do, which is fine. I mean, when I was CFO, I used to tell them, anybody want a screenshot of the bank account, let me know. I'll put it right on the stream, on the group chat, have no problem with it. And, uh, you know, but the sad thing is, to be honest with you, there are groups out there that are, you know, you know, prison awareness groups. I'm not going to name any names or anything, but there's some people. Hey, listen, that's what I'm this Again, this is what the criminal network is for. And, 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 and I've been saying that and we're getting pushback on that already. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? Like, I am not going to allow anybody under my knowledge to take advantage, manipulate capitalize off inmates or their families no more i'm not going to you know because it's bullshit and it has to stop you know so you're absolute there are many organizations out there that are just taking people's money many nothing. organizations nothing and that's another thing too you know i i've i've really you know on the board of directors i've really drilled on onto them like what are we going to do like do like, I understand, you know, we want to fundraise. I understand we want to get grant. We're trying to do grant writing, all this other stuff. We're supposed to be getting a grant in January. I told my guy, uh, he didn't want to pay me a yearly wage. I said, man, I don't need any money. Mm-hmm. I already take 70 k a year by the grace and blessing of God who's given me some awesome connections. You know, I'm good. You know, I'll give my time. I can't give as much as, as, much as we really need to give. If I could clone myself, that would be great. But, uh, mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, you know, some people are just thinking, like, what are we going to do? We get some money. OK, what are we going to do with the money? We have to do something. We have to raise awareness. We have to do something that's going to really make a solid impact. And I think that right now, the best thing we can do is to push awareness, man. Start pushing awareness. Start talking to the Congress. Start talking to all of them. Not no, so much negotiating, but we need to get some real savage lawyers yeah. on deck to really start fighting all of this. Because uh, check this out. Like when watch this. I just give a for instance because people are like, what do you mean? Okay, boom. Privatization of prisons, for instance, right? When the when prisons first started popping up, all the private prisons, right? We had Blackwater. I was at Okaloosa at the time. Blackwater popped up near me. Everybody was talking, raving about Blackwater, how they wanted to go there. 
they've got all these flat screen TVs, multiple monitors and all this and that, all this nice new stuff. And oh, it was air conditioned because I don't know if y'all know, but prisons don't have AC, man. I, that's a shock. I tell people sometimes that they state they prisons. Idea. Yeah. So. <clears throat> so anyways. Go ahead. And uh, now we're thinking about this. You know, we're all talking about I was a law clerk, too. So we're all talking about the privatization of prisons and, and, and things like that. And I'm like, you guys know this is probably like the worst thing that could happen to us, right? They're like, what do you mean? I said, what do you think is going to happen when uh, people start really, really making money off of us? You know, and if they shut down the state and they open it up all private, what, what do you think is going to happen? You know what they're going to do? They're going to send lobbyists. And because, you know, a lot of lobbyists, you know what they do, right? Lobbyists will go and influence the lawmakers. They will pay them money. They will be, this is legal, by the way, this is legal. Like I, when I learned this in, in microeconomics in college and I, I learned this in, in social studies in, in uh, high school, I couldn't believe this was legal, but it's still legal, they still do it. They go ahead and they grease their palms. They give them a bunch of money. They take them out on vacations, all this stuff to help change their mind to sway them to, uh, to push the law one way or another. So we privatize prisons. Guess what? There's a lot of people making a lot of money. There's a lot of people influencing because money is an influencer. And they're influencing these people to pass certain laws. So you can you can sit there and 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 uh, elect somebody to Congress or, or a certain chair, you know, the House uh, or or or, uh, or Congress, whatever, and the House or the Senate, and they can be there. But guess what? Once they're there, once they get elected, they can make whatever decision they want. And what do you think's going to drive their decision? What do you think's going to sway them? money because they have lobbyists people that are hired for that purpose because businesses big businesses corporations they send lobbyists they spend money trying to weigh the law one way or another for their what profit for their betterment for their growth it's the same thing with privatizations of prison I'm gonna do the exact same thing let's make laws harder let's make sentences longer because the more inmates we can keep in our system, the more money we're going to make. It really makes tons of sense. Things of that nature. So, you know, all, 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 everything needs to be addressed. Everything needs to be looked at. The whole entire, the government in the U.S. is supposed to be by the people for the people. And like I said earlier, we're talking about a minute amount of people profiting off of the misery of many people and ultimately when you think about it and walk yourself through the, the the thought processes and logic ultimately the misery of society itself because the recidivism rate just creates more victims in our society well that well that's i mean that's it and and it's just like i tell people when when we say that prison is a business. We say this varies. Oh, prisons is business is, you know, the prison industry. But do you understand what that means? Right. Do you understand what that means? Where when you have a business, right, you have you have profit and then you have that profit off your your goods. Right. So if prison is a business, what is the goods? Well, the people, the inmates, the inmates are the goods. OK, so how do you keep these inmates coming back? How do you keep these goods, you know, in, in, in the business? Well, you have to create that revolving door. So, again, this is why I say that when you're out in the communities and you're you're robbing, you're stealing, 
you know, you're, you're in gangs, you're burning towns, you're murdering people, you're doing all the things that you do in the name of fuck the government, you're pushing their agenda. You are their agenda because you are the reason why we have cops. You are the reason why we have prisons. You see what I'm saying? So you are feeding their agenda every time you're out there committing these crimes. And how do they get us to commit these crimes? They drive the gas rate up, right? They, they redline, they, they create slums. You know what I mean? They create the environment for the people to do the things that they do, to live in a survival mode mentality. That's the thing, right? It's not so much the environment, it's the mentality of the person that's in that environment. And they already know that when you're in that environment, nobody likes to live like that. Nobody likes to live in the slums. So it automatically puts you in a survival type mentality. You're constantly trying to live from check to check, you know, check to check to try to grab what you can and, and just the oppression that that causes because you're in prison yourself in that, in that fashion. So you argue with, you fa with your family. So the family structure isn't strong. You're yelling at your wife. She's yelling at you because you're a bum and you think she's too, you know, so that constant strife is in that family unit. The children grow up in that. They either go to foster care, they're out uh, uh, committing crimes, getting in gangs. So this is how that cycle continues. And the prison business thrives. They have stocks. You can go on the stock market right now and, and see the stocks in prisons. So the, all of this absolutely has to cut down. So we, I think nationwide, we're 76.2% recidivism nationwide now. It's, it's mm -hmm. ridiculous. That means if you have a million people that come out from prison, 760,000 are going back. That's guaranteed money. For whoever has to house them, for whoever has to off of the labor. And I touch base on a couple of these things because I can I can just I cannot tell you just by you know, just by telling you, I can tell you from experience. You want to know what my charge was? My charge was uh it was a home invasion with a firearm, right? I tell you this, uh, college party. When I was in a gang, I was doing all kind of other stuff. I never try to, uh, never try to make myself in a better light than what I was. I was a mess, you know. Twenty years old, grew up without a dad, super violent tendencies, wanted to do what I want. Uh, I got accepted into a college, but I just burned myself out from that. I just didn't want to do what was expected of me. I just wanted to do me. So, uh, you know, kick that. This guy don't come out and fight me. You know, homeboy sh shoots up his house a couple times. We leave. Another one of my gang brothers over in East Side Atlanta was like, listen, man, no, you, you got to get blood tonight. We got to do this. Like, this guy has to pay. But he won't come out of his house. You know what I'm saying? So we go in there and uh, he, he's not bang on the door, tell him to come outside and, you know, give me one. And he don't, still don't want to come out. So I kick this door in, ran him down, beat him up, knock him unconscious. So <clears throat> I'm now facing a life sentence plus 55 years for that. Because in the state of Florida, what they like to do is they just like to shoot you with every charge they can think of and see what sticks. Right. See for 10 years mandatory for a burglary with assault and battery. And then when you look at the charge, you say burglary with assault and battery uh, with a firearm, right? But guess what? You think about burglary, nothing was stolen. Like if you look at the whole police report, you will not hear him say he Jack took my TV or nothing. No, in the state of Florida, 
if you unlawfully enter someone's residence and you commit a felony, it is automatically a burglary. If I go in your house and you tell me to leave and I punch you in the face, I can spend the rest of my natural life in prison. It is a PBL, a punishable by life felony. If someone's in your house, you tell them to leave and they don't, they hit you in the mouth, that's a burglary now. They're unlawfully in your house. And then, you know, in Florida Castle Laws, you have a right to shoot and kill them as well. So, so, but, but watch this, watch this whole entire, if he would have come outside, we would have gotten in a fight, right? The police were called, officer came. I would have got locked up on a third degree felony with an assault charge, right? Punishable by up to five years in prison. But because it happened in a house, and let me also tell you, a house that he did not own, it was not his house, it was like somebody else's house. But because it happened in a house, I spent 10 years, 3,650 days, brother, I did all of them, all 10 calendars, of my natural life, 10 years, in prison, because it was inside a house, and it wasn't even his house. That's how our law works, and I can tell you that by experience. Look me up, you can look at my name, my DC number is X67334, look it up on the website, you'll see all my charges, right? So. That's how our law works. That's exactly how it works. It's ludicrous. And the reason why the laws are like that, because they say, oh, we're a tourist state. And, oh, you know, we're a protect your home state and all this other stuff. But where's the fairness in that? Where is the justice in that? That, I believe, is an unjust sentence. Do I think I deserve that? No. Did I deserve to get punished? Yes. I was living reckless and I was young. But to spend my whole entire 20s in the Department of Corrections, not receiving any correction, by the way, not receiving any help. It was only by the grace of God and, and, and connections I made through brothers in Christ where I was able to get where I am today. You know, was, did, that, did I deserve that? Was that just? No, it was not just. It was an unjust punishment. There are certain states where something like that would have got you two, three years if you're lucky. Well, and that's, that's my point. My point is, is that exactly is, is if, if, if a person's going to get 10 years for that crime, which, I mean, I understand. We all want to feel safe in our homes. We all want to not have to worry about somebody kicking open our doors or this and that. But if, if you got 10 years, then somebody in Arizona should have got 10 years. And the person in Washington should have got 10 years. And everybody that does and commits that crime should get 10 years. You see what I'm saying? Because, again, that's trauma on me in itself. Like, why the hell am I sitting here for 10 years and this dude, my celly, got two years for the same shit yeah. you know what i mean because he 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 cooperated maybe or or there was other some extringent you know activities going on or whatever but i don't know if you had caught the episode with uh tanawa about the constitution tanawa is an individual that i ran across out of oklahoma and he's a he's a convicted felon as himself and lost his life to to this crap but he is actually got something in the supreme court um dealing with plea bargains and that plea bargains are are unconstitutional and that it it leads what has what had what plea bargains has led into is this system now of course we know statistically speaking that you are having more people plea out, being coerced to plea out, you know, than using their First Amendment rights to go to trial. 
And now when somebody goes to trial, in my case, I feel like I was severely punished just for going to trial because it was made known all through that process that I was going to be punished for going to trial. I was wasting taxpayers' money. I was wasting their time and all of this crap that they would tell me. So that, that means that you know, you're not showing remorse is the biggest thing that they would say. You're not showing remorse because you're taking it to trial. You know, so he's actually got this thing that plea bargains, because, again, you have a right to go to trial. Plea bargains are nowhere in the Constitution. Of course, it's an agreement. It's a contract between you and the prosecutor that you're going to admit guilt. But how many people are coerced into that contract by. Who knows? You know, so there's a lot of ground to cover with us, brother. Say something about that so-called contract as well. Uh, I remember when I did a plea bargain uh, and I was not supposed to have any court costs. I was out. I'd gotten my license. I was working. I was doing great. And then it just popped up all of a sudden a letter talking about my license is going to be suspended. Right. License that I got back. I got my insurance. I finally got my car. I'm working. I'm doing I'm being a productive citizen, part of our society, doing what I'm supposed to do. Right. Watch this. So I look and I'm like, suspended? How in the world is my license going to be suspended? Tickets? Nothing. My driving record is clean, man. Are you serious? I haven't had nothing. No run-ins with any form of officer law enforcement since I've been out, right? So as it turns out, back in, uh, back in uh, I think, the 19th Circuit, Orange County, uh, I still have a, a balance pending of 900 and something dollars. And I really... Didn't even have time to try and hire a lawyer, figure it all out. It was, and that was like when COVID was just starting to be a thing, too, and it was all crazy. Man, I just paid these people their money, man. I just paid. I started paying it, and I had to pay to get my driver's license renewed. So, I mean, that they have the ability of not keeping up their bargain. But, boy, you're going to do all the time that you're supposed to do in prison. They don't even give you a, you. You don't even have an option. There's not even no way for you to wiggle out of it. You know what I mean? There's not even no way for you to wiggle out of it. But again, all the power is in the prosecutor's hands. You know, all through the Albury trial, all through the Rittenhouse trial, I was telling the people, pay attention. This is live courtroom action. Never mind the charges. Never mind what's going on in court. Just pay attention to the to the play. Just pay attention to how much leeway the prosecutor gets. You know what I mean? And how quick the judge is to, to, to shoot down the defense or make things hard for the defense. You know, it's, it's these processes that, like you said, the, the, the advent of social media, you know, and, and cameras everywhere now, we are seeing the corruption before our eyes, but when are we going to take a stand against it? Exactly, man. That's right. So listen, big, big event, FSU, man, January 23rd. What do, um, what do you guys need? So right now we are uh, we've got pretty much everything. The event's going to be from two to six o'clock, the Tucker Civic Center. Uh, right now we need a videographer. We're still looking for one. Uh, somebody's going to be able to take the video so we can live stream it, put it on Facebook. So that's what that's pretty much like one of the last things that we need right now. Okay, you guys, you hear that? Especially Florida up in the Tallahassee area, videographer. They need this film. Um, again, this this is coverage that the, the, the criminal justice network, we want to come together and, and send people 
to organizations like this. So they don't even have to worry about, can somebody come film this? You know, these are, <laughs> these are pertinent issues, man. These are pertinent issues that needs to be heard and, 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 and made aware of. So hopefully we can get that done. How, again, do they contact you and your organization? Listen, you go to society-first.com or even better yet, you know, go on to Facebook and look up society-first and you'll find us there. Or you can uh, email me at josh, E-B-R-O-W-N, 1989 at gmail.com or Josh Brown CFO, uh, 1989 at gmail.com or society first CFO at gmail.com. Those three emails. Okay, perfect. So good meeting you. I'm sure we're going to catch up and you're right around the corner from me. So we're going to go catch some lunch or something sometime, man, and, and really get to the nitty gritty of stuff off air and out of these people's ears because people watching and they listening, man. But stay blessed, stay safe. And as I like to tell my people, man, just continue being your best self, man, and everything's going to work itself out. Till then, peace, man. Take care of yourself. Nice meeting you.